in question. His accomplice in crime. A woman in danger. A partner in training. A hero in black. The adventure begins. Val Kilmer, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, Nicole Kidman, Chris O'Donnell. Batman Forever. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, June 16th at a theater near you. Welcome to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angelo Chico, here with Tyler Wilson. How do you like this shirt that shows off my bat nipples? Those bat nipples. Some people struggle to remember which uh, movie that the bat nipples were introduced. They're, they're in this movie. They are they're introduced in this movie. more prominent in the next one, but they are yes. here for this one. Yes. Today we are traveling back to talk about Batman Forever from 1995. <laughs> And uh, before we jump into that, let's do our usual first half of the show where we talk about what we're watching recently. Yeah. And we've been watching some movies, of which you said I'm not going to remember anything that we watched. Well, I think if there's one on that list where I'm like, I don't think that you'll remember even a second of it. Okay. Which one (laughs) do you think that is? Clifford the Big Red Dog. Well, to be (laughs) fair, I only half watched it because I didn't want to watch it. I did want to watch it out of curiosity, but then after the first five minutes of it, I was like, all right, I'm good. Like, pass. I'm good. I got it. I'll just do some shopping on my phone. I guess we'll talk talk about that one first, even though like that one came out like (laughs) late last year, I guess. See, the Mm -hmm. thing is, we got like a a paramount. The kids really wanted to watch Sonic the Hedgehog 2, so we watched a few things that were on there. But uh, I just I stopped it before the trial was over. Once we were done with the movie, so we it was one of the things we watched with Clifford, and I don't. What's with this movie? It has like kind of decent reviews, and I guess it's because it's like not offensive or like full of fart jokes. I guess, but I don't know. I've seen like episodes of Clifford uh, on PBS or whatever that are like. 10 times better than this well, that's, movie. That's the thing. Like, it, it kind of throws out, like, what you, like, the kind of the basics of it. There's a kid named Emily Elizabeth, and then there's a big red dog, right? But there's, like, some mysticism, a magical dude that's giving them this dog. There's The family's not the same. Like, she's hanging out with an uncle. It's really weird. The, the, the main issue to me is, like, the CGI on Clifford just... It's a, it's a no-go for me. Yeah, I mean, let's just start with the basics. One, this movie did not need to be made. It does not need to exist I would, at all. I would watch, like, an animated version. Of, like, I think there Again, was, like, a movie. Again, it doesn't need to exist. It, there's a good show, a full run of it. It's good. They've got plenty of books. Like, that's enough medium for this, for, just, for Clifford. I don't... From whatever reason, like, maybe it was around Alvin and Chipmunk's time or something where they were just like, the technology's here. We can do this. And yet... No, because, like, what we'll talk about, like, Sonic, they had to, like, famously, like, change, you know? They had to, like, go back and make it look more cartoony mm-hmm. than it was before, so... And I think that's the problem. Like, the, the Clifford dog doesn't look like a real dog. So then let's no. pick let's pick a lab, because that's what this is, like, a lab, yeah. and, and make it red. It, it just doesn't look like Clifford. And then, good. you know, some of it looked okay, like the up-close shots oh, yeah. of his up face. Close was all right. But... It looked okay, but even just, like, the color was wrong. Yeah. Like, that's not red. That's, like, this darkish red. It's not fucking Clifford. No, it's not. No. This girl was not Emily Elizabeth. Mm-mm. This place was not the setting of Clifford. Ah, it was all wrong. 
on all accounts. So yeah, I didn't watch much of it. No. Okay. Well, that's all we have to say about that. There's no. Well, I that, that triggered a memory of another one we should talk about that I didn't put on that list for you. But the thing we did want to watch with the well, we the kids really were excited about Sonic the Hedgehog two. So we watched Sonic the Hedgehog two. Now listen, that first Sonic movie that came out twenty twenty, uh, was like surprisingly not terrible. Like, they had fixed the CGI to make him look more cartoony. Jim Carrey is doing, speaking of Jim Carrey in this mm-hmm. episode, doing the full Riddler-level Jim Carrey, the mask. He's just going wild as, like, the evil Dr. Robotnik. And that movie, the first one, was slight and fun, right? The sequel, I think the kids enjoyed it because it, like, added, you know, characters that they know from, like, the game and the cartoon various shows, like, Knuckles and Tails are in there. Idris Elba, his knuckles, which is very odd. Um, not bad. Like, you know, it's like, I appreciate getting Idris Elba to do this. Um, but man, like, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is like over two hours. There's a subplot where James Marsden's character, like, you think he's gonna, he's getting sent to Hawaii on a trip, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess James Marsden wasn't available for the sequel. He's gonna be in like two scenes. No, he has an entire subplot that is unrelated to Sonic for a while. They combine about halfway through, to which we go into, like, the subplot without Sonic even further with, like, the sister character. It's so bizarre. It's bullshit, and okay? after that, there's another hour of the movie. You're like, what's happening? Yeah, it's absolute bullshit because, I mean, yeah, everyone expects a sequel to not be as good. That's sure, fine. that's fine. But I just went back and verified. Yeah. I put this in my top 10 for that year. Sonic so- the Hedgehog? Well, play- yes. Playfully, you did. I mean, I playfully, <laughs> but because I I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was quippy. I thought it was funny. I thought yeah. the voice acting was great. I loved the reentry of Jim Carrey into this world of acting of like goofy acting of that specific type of acting and uh i really enjoyed it so i was looking forward to number two and yeah way too long not as quippy not as funny not written as like well like i loved all the idris elba stuff i wanted more there like there could have been more quipping with sonic and him and those were probably the funniest parts where when when sonic was like giving him shit and and vice versa and that was it like uh whatever his name Marsden, Cyclops. Marsden. Yeah. He has very little. Even though he's in the movie, he doesn't have much to do. I think. Yeah, he sucks. I mean, his character's just nothing in his, this movie. His deputy is Adam Pally in both movies, the comedian, and he has no more scenes in this really. But man, like he's really funny in about like I don't know, maybe five minutes of screen time. Uh, about the same as the last movie, and I was like, oh, for a second there, I thought he was going to go along on this adventure, and I was like, oh, okay, like, that's something, and then he didn't. And, and like, even okay. some of his scenes, like, the the, the punchlines just well, didn't, necessary. like, hit. No, he, you could just tell, like, what I found funny about it was seeing, it, things that he seemed to just, like, ad-lib, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't... Yep. It was then, a yeah, disappointment. You know, Jim Carrey is clearly just given full reign to just do whatever, and that can be hit and miss, and... To me, it was, like, lively, but not necessarily uh, all that exciting. The climax is very big and bombastic and, you know. Also, not necessary and not, like, it for as big as it was, it wasn't exciting at all. It was a, it was very much like a in the sequel realm of, like, bigger budget, overstuffed. Uh, yeah, your classic case of just, like, driving a little bit of charm into the ground. Yeah, uh, so that was, the, that was a disappointment. Yeah, um, so also on... Paramount, we watched The Lost City, which is Sandra Bullock 
in like rom-com uh, mode, um, kind of like a Romancing the Stone adventure thing with Channing Tatum. She plays a book of romance author who uh, her main character is like this hunky dude and Channing Tatum plays like the cover model for that, but he's not really that way. He's just a, a model, right? Well, her stuff is kind of, boot, like, her writing is kind of uh, rooted in, like, Indiana Jones-style, like, lost treasure-type archaeology. real-world real archaeology, which so, her husband was, her dead husband was an archaeologist. Yeah. And so Daniel Radcliffe's this rich guy who basically kidnaps her. It's very weird. Um, and Channing Tatum goes to rescue her, thinking that he can... You could do that and they don't i mean they quickly are together and they're basically just like fending for themselves in a jungle for most of the movie they have romantic chemistry blah 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 it's nothing like you haven't seen before um it's okay like i thought it could have been a little bit sharper given the the cast i you know i think channing tatum in that mode is very funny mm -hmm. sandra bullock is i i mean i think sandra bullock is great always and she's especially good in these kinds of movies right Daniel Radcliffe's an interesting choice for uh, a villainous type character. I kind of like that. Uh, Brad Pitt kind of shows up for a little while, which is kind of a fun cameo. But like, you kind of know where it's going, and you, yeah, I don't know. It, like, actually, there's a punchline to it at the end of the movie. I yeah. like better than his entire role, but it was okay. It, it's very much like you watch it, it's fine, and then it's like, okay, well, I watched The Lost City. Yeah, it was like almost there. Like, yeah. it was it was like 85% there. It needed just yeah. some, like, tighter editing and just a little bit better writing. Because yeah. the performances were there. The setting yeah. was there. It looked gorgeous. Like, it looked good. They filmed enough outside. <laughs> yeah, there were things that were great, and then there was just, like, some blahness to it. Yeah, yeah. Couple really funny little stretches, but nothing, nothing amazing. But I mean, it's like, yeah, Paramount. It's like a totally fine hundred minutes yeah. of your life. There right? is one scene that's probably like the hardest I've laughed, or at least I. In it's a while. yeah, it was pretty funny. Um yeah oh so the one I didn't want to I I forgot to look, put on the list uh, is we because we haven't I forgot that we watched this. It's Chippendale Rescue Rangers uh, that premiered on Disney Plus. And like this shouldn't be anything. Did we not talk about that? Mm -mm, I checked. I was looking because it, it's this is what happens when you put a gap between the movies. Um, yeah, no, like this shouldn't be good. It should be Alvin and the Chipmunks. It should be Sonic the Hedgehog. It should be Clifford the Big Red Dog. But the big difference here is uh, voice casting of Andy Samberg and John Mulaney as Chip and Dale. And the movie is directed by one of the. Uh, Lonely Island guys with Andy Samberg, Jarma Tacone. I don't ever know how to say that guy's name, even though I love the Lonely Island. Just say it with confidence. Okay, just say it with confidence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is like this really weird, irreverent kind of version of like a live action reboot situation. Did you pause it again? No, keep going. Oh, jeez. Oh, God damn it, Tyler. <laughs> We're having a little audio issue, but it's okay. So, sorry. We'll move on. Can we just move on and keep talking? Yeah, I can edit it. Just take a good long pause. Okay, yeah. So. What were you saying? <laughs> I don't know. Andy Samberg. It, it's just like, it, it's making fun of those kinds of movies, right? Like those kid reboot, live action reboots. Uh, Chip is still his 2D version 
uh, Dale has gotten like a CGI upgrade for himself, like plastic surgery. Uh, another version of Sonic the Hedgehog from the trailers before they fix the movie as a character in the movie. Um, yeah, Peter Pan is another, like, it's like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit type of thing with uh, all these characters from various parts of Disney property, but also not Disney property, which kind of makes it remarkable that they got the rights to a lot of these things. Um, it's, I don't know, it was really funny, and... Uh, I liked the Rescue Rangers show back in the day. We watched an episode of it before we watched it with the kids, and, like, that show is not, like, a good show. And so this movie, you know, makes it so it, the story is that there was a show, and they're, like, actors in that show, and so it's not, like, following the premise of the t TV show, which was probably a smart move, too. Yeah, I think that was what was funny watching it is how obvious it was to the kids that this movie was not for them. Because they right. kept like laughing at us laughing and they were like, I don't get it. And then we'd have to like pause and explain like the reference or the joke or the nostalgia factor to them. But yeah, there was definitely a difference between what they were enjoying versus what we were enjoying. Sure. All right, what's next on the list that we watched? We waited until it was all available, so we watched the Disney Plus series Moon Knight with Oscar Isaac. This was not a Marvel character I'm very familiar with. I don't think you would even never heard of it. No, you kept calling kept, it Midnight. I was like, let's watch that Midnight, like that that soup that superhero whatever show you keep telling kept, me about. And you say that, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, like I Midnight. What the fuck is Midnight? And I'm like, oh my god, you keep telling me about it. It's not the. And when you say it like that, it's like, oh, Midnight is close to Moon Knight. I got the right letter. Yeah. and night. I just think it was pretty. Just was pretty good. Wouldn't compute. But we waited until all six were on there, which I'm glad because we're also watching Obi Wan. Which I, I mean, look, I'm enjoying the Obi-Wan show, but I don't like, wait, like, let's just get this, let's give me the episodes. Let me watch it at my pace, not your pace, thanks. Okay, so I'm having an opposite experience where mm -hmm. I'm now craving more Moon Knight, and I'm sad because it's done, that season mm. is done, so I'm just like, god damn it, there's no more, like, I'm so disappointed. I don't know if they're going to do another season, or, like, he only, Oscar Isaac only, like, signed for that and didn't do, like, the traditional multi-movie, multi-TV deal, so... Who knows? I really liked it, though. Yeah, it's pretty out there. Um, it Oscar Isaac gets to basically play two roles. He's a guy with like disassociative personality disorder, and is really just two main guys. One is Oscar Isaac, like American accent. Another one is like British accent, which is mm -hmm. a very odd, <laughs> like it's a weird <laughs> and it's accent. A bad accent. Yeah, it is, and um, <laughs> which is great, which adds to the whole character. Yeah, but he's really good, kind of playing off himself, and also it, the show has Ethan Hawke, who's very good in kind of the villain role, and it's kind of my jam because it has like uh, it's mummy, ancient Egyptian type uh, mm -hmm. mythology to it. Uh, you know, got pharaohs and gods and stuff like that yeah. tied in with like this superhero type show. But yeah, it's really not like um, I would say it's one of the more unique Marvel properties, at least of this era. And so I that was really, enjoyable. Really enjoyed it. Um, Oscar Isaac is incredible because even in his two same actor, same character, but playing a character that's two characters sort mm -hmm. of. It like one is super hot and the other's just like not and. Uh, like even like the the his energy that he brings is he's gotta be so fun to do as an actor, but he's so talented. Yeah, he's great, and um, yeah, I, you know it does do that. Like there is a turn in the show that is like a, a turn that you would expect, I guess, like episode four ish, um, where it's kind of annoying that they're doing that, but. 
the way they do it leads to a lot more character work and a lot more for Oscar Isaac to kind of. I don't know what you're referencing. I don't want to say it because it's can like. You like give me a hint. What are you talking well, about? Well, the setting changes pretty significantly for oh. an entire episode. Yeah, right? they shift locations. Yeah. So, but I, I just like it's kind of annoying, and like, this is the reason why if we watched it weekly and they because they reveal that after like th- episode three, and it's just like God, that's so stupid. Like we're really gonna do that. But then, like, the way that they do it is actually really thoughtful, and I like that more than, like, kind of the action-packed last episode. That's kind of like, I don't know, even, like, WandaVision, a show I really liked, like, the last episode's the weakest episode, because it's just, like, the one that's very marvel action. Mm-hmm. And so I like these little character beats. The best episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier was, like, number four or five, which was just, like, no action, just mm-hmm. into, like, their life. I like this. I This is what I, this is what I want to watch. There's a Miss Marvel is the new one that just started, which I'm eager to watch as well, but um, I might just wait for that to get to uh, the I end. Know. I kind of like holding them out or stretching them out. I know, and that's the new, you know, we're back to this trend. We, you know, like the Netflix way is going away. Most of these other streamers are putting it out weekly. Apple does it weekly. Even Hulu does a lot of theirs now weekly. But on the flip side, I like Amazon both. weekly. I like, <laughs> yeah, I like both. It's been fun to experience both. Um, one other thing about Moon Knight is uh, I really enjoyed Ethan Hawke in it as well. Yeah, he's good. And it's a because we just saw him in the Northman for a very not very long. But God, he's that's a big swing. And like this is a really big swing in terms of how he's doing the, the part. And I just Ethan Hawke is one of these guys that if you let him, he'll kind of do weird... Like, I don't know. I don't think necessarily people think of him as, like, a guy that, like, does really totally different characters. But um, he's just... He's a good actor. I like... It's good. Like, that's what's great. Like, say what you will about Marvel properties and the sameness of it. Like, even if this was really samesy to the other Marvel properties, it still has Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke as your leads. Like, that's awesome. Like, these are... A-list actors. Yeah, like like really good actors. Yeah, and it's just like with Loki too. Like that was a like Loki was never. I I enjoy Loki as a character in those movies that he appeared in, but like his performance in his show is just so much more satisfying because There's it gets more. more to do. Oh yeah, it's more talking. Yeah, I don't know. I just this. I like that. Um, there's there's value in this, and I I, I appreciate that these things exist, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially for one of some of these weird characters I've never even heard of. Because I don't know, I would never be like Moon Knight movie, let's go, other than being Oscar Isaac. So yeah, and then they would just like fuck it up like the Descendants or whatever that movie's called. What was <laughs> the that Eternal, called? Eternal. Eternals. <laughs> oh, that's just two. There's like 19 characters in that. I mean, that's the other thing. Like the yeah. that's the weird part. Mm-hmm. It's like. Moon Knight is one character. Mm-hmm. He has a show of six episodes. I mean, he's sort of like two, three. Yeah, four, yeah, yeah. You know. But uh, Eternals has like nine lead characters, and they're just like that could be a two-hour movie. Yeah, we could definitely. We've never do that. introduced these people before, but okay. <laughs> um, on that same vein, we did show a couple of our kids. Well, kind of, <laughs> we were been experimenting with you know movies to show them, including our main feature today, Batman Forever. Mm-hmm. But we also watched. Um, because we had watched a couple Spider-Man movies before with Tobey Maguire, so we showed them Spider-Man Homecoming, the first of the Tom Holland Marvel ones, and it only requires a little bit of explanation of, like, Marvel stuff going on, not much. And he's a high schooler, and it's yeah. very, like, you know, yeah. the, the kids got into it. And our our youngest, who's superhero crazy, was just excited because Iron Man's on the cover, and he's in the movie, and so they actually really enjoyed that one, but then... The one they really enjoyed is we decided to show them the Avengers, the first one from like 2012. And 
again, that one, while it has like lead up of the introduction of the characters in their previous movies, like the Avengers works pretty well as like, we didn't have to explain that much to them to like get them to watch it. And like the main conflict is there, Nick Fury setting people up and um, yeah, they really like, I was wondering about this because it's been a while since I've seen it. And now we've had like this time away from like the toxic uh, behavior of Joss Whedon, who wrote and directed this, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, that whole, like, he was so well-known for being, like, such a feminist voice. And then when that kind of, that image crumbled per- in his personal life, it kind of, like, created a little bit of a reassessment of his work. And so I was wondering if, like, some of that works, particularly with, like, the Black Widow character just doesn't uh, translate, you know, as well. And, I mean, for the most part, I think the first this first Avenger movie really holds up really well. It's pretty pretty clever script it does a good job of introducing the main players it gives them moments it feels comic booky in a fun way uh that our kids really enjoyed unlike <laughs> the comic bookiness of say batman forever oh, um mm-hmm. and so they really responded to it and they loved like their big hulk people and they just loved the hulk stuff and hulk uh, the humor was hitting home yes. with the kids. Yeah, the the Hulk versus Loki scene uh, got the biggest laugh I've heard from our four kids in a movie ever, which is great that that, that played was like well. Ten years ago, yeah, it's it just exciting up. that it it held up and uh, you know it's got a lot of Sam Jackson in there. You know, I'm all about that, and my mm-hmm. kids know that I'm a big Sam Jackson guy, so that's good. Yeah, no, it was it was a fun experience watching that one with them. So I don't know what they're gonna think of like if we show them. Age of Ultron, which I think is the one that more people kind of have dogged on in years since. Like, it's not the one that's as popular. So, and I remember thinking it was fine, but yeah, this first Avengers, now. man, pretty good. So there's that. Did Those we are watch the things any... we watched together? Yeah. Okay. Um, did you have any TV that you wanted to mention that you watched, or no? I started that Good Girls uh, show on Netflix with uh, Christina Hendricks and uh... Retta. I, I should know their, like, actress names. Retta. Retta's her name, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Okay. Treat yourself. Uh-huh. Um, and then what's her face? Annabelle. Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of development. Yeah, that's like, I don't know, that's like a... Is... Oh, and also has, like, rickety crickets in it. <laughs> Just all these characters, all these people that we know from other other shows. It's like the, the people that you know from other shows show, sounds like. Kind of. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it that it's like, it's like a crime... Uh, obviously, it's kind of like bra- they're Breaking Bad. That's what's happening. I mean, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're good into the the criminal world, like a Better Call Saul. Situation. Is it lighthearted? Um, like some of it is. I just love that it's like the the three of them are three women, and then their moms, and it's just, they're dealing with like mom stuff and trying mm-hmm. to like be criminals. And of course, it just is always something that like goes wrong. And that part of it, I'm getting a little like tired of mm. a little bit. But how many seasons of this show are there? I think like three or something like that. Okay. I gotta look. Um, but they're all good actresses and their mm-hmm. relationships are good and you know I'm there for them not for necessarily like the plot. I've seen like a commercial for it and I've seen you watch it a little bit and I have a question for you. Does Christina Hendricks ever at any point of that show have red hair? I don't no, because I feel like I'm almost like my brain is like well she has red hair so then when I'm looking at her she has red hair. I saw her and it's like it's okay, like a strawberry, blonde. strawberry blonde. I'm like, okay, I guess we could technically call that red hair, but I'm thinking of Joan on Mad Men, and I'm mm-hmm. just like that. I'm sorry, Christina Hendricks. This is just how you are for me forever. You're just you're Joan from Mad Men. Rude. Sorry. Rude. Certain this. Ha- I mean, 
It just it happens for certain for certain actors, right, and certain people. Does it happen with men or just women? For yeah, you? Carlton. Gross. <laughs> Alfonso Rivero. Come on, he's always going to be Carlton. God, right? he's so such a terrible host. We've been watching the kids really like America's Funniest Home Videos, and it is like it's literally it's it is. It's it, so bad. It is embarrassing to click on it on Hulu because mm-hmm. you're just like, I can't believe I'm this person. I'm click. choosing to watch it. So it's one thing when it was like on TV and it would be following yeah. the show you were already watching. You're like, well, I guess we're watching America's Funniest But our kids videos. are just like, oh, let's watch it. Let's watch videos. I like about 20% of that show. 20 is high. I th- it's probably very generous. <laughs> 20 is high. It's probably all the funny videos that I already laugh on uh, at on TikTok. Probably, yeah. And then the 80%. That's what's terrible. weird. I like that there's like, I don't know whatever episodes we're watching, but they're like, uh, like they have Bob Saget tributes in there. Mm-hmm. And I like that because that's when I would watch it as a kid. And mm-hmm. man, I mean, he was corny as all get out. Oh, but, so corny. You know, that's all right. It's from my childhood, so I'm okay with it, right? Um, but yeah, what I, the other thing I noticed about it is like... <laughs> It's just funny how you can trace the show in like home videos because everything is like shot vertical. Mm-hmm. Like, and not in, like, a few years ago, it was like if you see videos that were shot vertical on there, and you're like, oh, that idiot doesn't know how to like turn, turn their camera. camera. But see, now because of TikTok, everybody films vertical again, which just seems like a waste of space to me. But, um, unless you're watching it, yeah, I, vertical. Uh, I know. Then it fills I get it, but the screen. Look, I get it. And but... when most of the videos are a person, then it makes sense for it to be vertical, and you're really up in the person's business. I'm not going to concede that. I don't like it. <laughs> but it's terrible to watch a vertical yeah, thing on the television. That's my that's point. Widescreen. Now it's all back to and like I feel like tiny. I can watch this on TikTok anyway. So, uh, so we watched that. Uh, oh, so like I did watch a couple movies uh, without you. I'll just mention a couple. I watched. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. I'm not even sure if that's the title. Oh, come on. It's close. This is the third of these Fantastic Beasts movie. You and I saw the first one in theaters. And I was fucking angry It was not good. We really didn't enjoy it um, to the point where you never watched the second one. No, I was like, I got it. Done. I watched the second one and it is... Uh, a worse and it was very convoluted and I it, it, it was it's just such a weird movie in terms of like here's like nine more characters we're going to introduce but none of them are interesting so I will say that this one is probably the best of these three I don't think that is enough to recommend it because it is still not great the, the story here once you I had to google some stuff to remember because I was just like uh I mean I watched this previous movie but I don't know um, so, but once you kind of figure out who's who, like the, the plot of this one is very straightforward, which is helpful. And this one also has a lot of Jude Law playing Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And so that character has history. That's good. We know him. And then Jude Law is giving, I think, a very good performance of what he's doing. He was in the last one, but only like, and they put him in the advertising a ton, but he's not in much of that second movie. So... It's a lot more of him, and that's better. But the problem is, is just like everybody else. It, I, Mads Mikkelsen is here. He kind of he replaced Johnny Depp, and he's fine. I don't know if the character is particularly nuanced, honestly. But whatever. But like all the the hero characters, all these side characters. Like number one, Eddie Redmayne is doing. This is why I don't like him as an actor. He's just doing this very mannered 
weird I'm an eccentric voice and all his mannerism is just I hate it and I didn't like like it in the other movies doesn't feel genuine or authentic he's the lead of these he never feels like it um I just I don't like his performance everybody else like the the his little partner friend who's a muggle he's doing like a void Dan Fogler he's doing just like all the characters have all of their characters are essentially just voices they're all doing like slightly different voices and they're but they don't have any personality like Queenie's got like the Queen's accent and like uh, Queen's New York accent and then like uh, just no all the side all these characters are they don't register so I'm just like grasping it like well no Jude Law's pretty good as Dumbledore I like this is he doing a voice um no I'm a young old Dumbledore no he's just doing Jude Law and then like right off the front it it just leads off with this a very good scene between him and Mads Mikkelsen and they're he Mickelson plays the bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. But they have history, and like it, they're very upfront and open about it. This time, it's just like we were like in love, and we created this little thing that we can't harm each other, and this is why we can't fight anymore. And so, like, it's all open, and I like that. And like, there's, it, there's a kind of a fun dynamic there, and you know, Dumbledore is, you know, he's made some mistakes that he talks about in some good scenes, and I, I all that's good. It's just everything else just, sucks. Well, in in. <laughs> It's called Dumbledore. Like, I mean, that's good. Give me that. Well, and they I don't need they, all this other crap. They did, and you know, and that's that's nice. But I mean, I also got the sense that like Ezra Miller, who plays like the Flash in the Justice League movie, mm-hmm. he was really important to that second movie. I kind of remember, <laughs> and he's in this, and he it, like it's set up that he's going to be a big thing and it is it is an important strand but the actor's gotten in a lot of like personal trouble lately oh, no. and i got into the point where this flash movie's coming out later this year or next year and they're like oh god what are we gonna do because he's just been like like not like break getting arrested doing all sorts of stuff right so i know i got the sense that like they they, they cut out as much as they could of him Aww. in this movie a little bit because he just feels like a little bit of an afterthought in the story is he good in the i know because it's just no no, he's Would not. It have been better if his stuff wasn't cut. I don't or? know because don't know. They, okay. every character in here is just it, all the new characters don't have any personality to them no. other than like a voice. Like I want to watch these and yeah. I want to like them, and then you talk about them and I'm like, Ugh. I think they're all on the HBO Max. That's mm. where I watch the new Maybe one. Maybe I'll just watch them on my phone and not feel like it's a real big investment. I mean, I watch this one on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there That's you go. That's about the attention it deserves. Yeah. The last thing I'll talk about is, I'm not going to talk about it much because it's going to be out on Blu-ray in a couple weeks and I really want to oh, yeah, watch it with it you me. and talk with you about it. Okay. So, it's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This was a very popular kind of indie breakout over the spring. I watched it. I think it is wildly original and great. Um, Wait, you watched it again? No, I just watched it one time. I've seen it, but it comes out, but you haven't seen it and I was going to, I wanted to talk to you about it. Wait, did you pay to watch it? Yeah, but and but I'm, it's coming out in Blu-ray soon. Yes, and explain. Gonna, explain. I'm not gonna just the extra spending to watch it now, and <laughs> it's, it's fine. fine. I just <laughs> I really wanted to watch it. It's from the Swiss Army Men yeah. directors, which is a very weird movie about a dead corpse played by Daniel Radcliffe, right? And uh, it's not for everybody, right? But you and I really enjoyed that yeah, movie. If you like weird shit, it's they, definitely for you. One of those Daniels guys made another movie that I wasn't even aware of, and oh. it's like I read the premise of it. I'm just like, oh my god! And like, I can. <laughs> Was he the weird voice in the duo? I I don't know. I have not seen it, and it's not especially easy to. I mean, I could rent it, I guess, but I I was like, this is a movie they made. Like, it's just it's weird. Um, I can't even think of the name of it, but it 
It's like, oh, it has Dick Long in it. The name, just, I mean, right off the bat, you could probably figure out where that's going. Okay, okay. Um, but anyway, Everything Everywhere All at Once is, um, I was a little bit worried because it, it's just been, give, you know, rapturous praise. People online love it, right? I thought, well, maybe I'll, you know, it's over, you know, because everything gets a little bit, you know, that last Spider-Man movie, oh, it's the greatest thing. Top Gun's the greatest thing. Listen, like, whatever. I thought it would be, uh, no, I really enjoyed it. I loved Michelle Yeoh in it. It's like a martial arts movie, but it's also just this multiverse type film done right and not in a weird, annoying Marvel way. Um, yeah, we should talk about it more in a couple weeks because okay. I'm excited to watch it with you. Okay. I can't wait to watch it again, but I don't want to pay again until... I have the Blu-ray. You're so fun. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's it. All right. That's a pretty good roundup of um uh, Yeah, there's others, but I don't... That's <sighs> okay. We've been definitely clearly been watching a lot more with our kids. Yeah, and when we put these gaps in between, then I... Like, I, there's things I've watched, but I'm like, well, I don't know. I've Now I haven't thought about it for a little. I don't think I have anything to say about it, so... Anyway. You keep bringing up these gaps. You're hurting my feelings. Because you're blaming me. I do blame you for everything. God, if that's not the truth. Everywhere and all at once. Mm. You should make a movie about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we're going to shift into the feature film of today. <laughs> right. Batman Forever from okay. 1995. So we, our, our, our four-year-old, almost five-year-old, loves superheroes. He loves Batman. The problem with Batman is that the movies are all fairly dark. Um, mm -hmm. I think even Batman 89 is a little dark for him. Why does everybody call Batman 89? Because it just helps people. What was people. the name of the Batman? Was it just Batman? It was just called Batman when it came out. Are there other movies called Batman? Uh, I Maybe the 66 one's called Batman. I always called it the Batman movie, maybe, but... Okay. Uh, I think maybe it's... Because everyone just says Batman 89 or writes Batman because 89. Because there's been so many Batman movies, they want to specify. like, no, I'm talking about that Keaton, Jack Nicholson Batman, gotcha. right? Anyway, I think that one's a little dark for him. Batman Returns is, like, my favorite of all those early ones, and I definitely think that's too dark for mm -hmm. him. And then the Nolan movies are not, like, they're more crime dark movies are not like a, they're not superhero -y really like they're a whole different vibe of batman oh, right yeah. mm -hmm. and then the new one good lord that thing's just a serial killer movie wrapped up in a batman movie <laughs> right and mm -hmm. uh so that's not appropriate and then even like so he's seen batman the animated series he's seen some other stuff but i wouldn't even not show him like batman mask of the phantasm because it's kind of a dark premise and a lot of violence in that so mm -hmm. We settled on <laughs> Batman Forever. Well, it's tricky when you have kids who, who in our culture, we 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 gear superheroes towards. Well, superheroes are there to fucking fight crime and violence. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's this weird like we we encourage our kids to like these characters, but then we have to like somehow figure out how to filter this. And this is a fa this is a fascinating movie too because it is like this. They made it specifically. The reason that Joel Schumacher gets hired, the reason the script is the way it is, mm -hmm. is because there were people who were upset that Batman Returns, which was targeted toward kids with Happy Meal toys, was too dark. Mm -hmm. And then, so that's a big cultural moment, right? But then Batman and Robin happens, and then superheroes kind of get rebooted and become like, not just for kids, but for literally everybody. And it's like the popular entertainment when Spider-Man comes on the scene, which we've done an episode on. Um, in 2002. So, like, even now it's weird because, like, our kids are inundated with Spider-Man and Avengers type stuff. But then we always have to think twice about, like, well, the movies are, like, a lot of gunplay, a lot of violence. Like, there's other shows, and that's good. He, our, our son likes to watch, like, the 
preschool Spider-Man show, and that's great for him. And but the Lego versions of these. But then we have older kids who want to watch, like the they want to try the you know the mm-hmm. big adult ones, right? And they see their parents enjoy them. So Batman Forever is the one we settled. On. Batman Forever from 1995. Yeah. Here's some high stats. High stats. Re, uh, it was uh, PG-13. Clocks in at two hours and one minute. Mm-hmm. It was released on June 9th, 1995. Hundred. Yep. Uh, it was budgeted of mm-hmm. the hundred million, and it yeah. made back 330 million. This was a big hit. Ooh, that's a lot of money. Yep. Uh, it was uh, written by. Somebody. Did you put that in here? <laughs> I didn't put that in there. Oh, okay. See, I was going back to my list to Sorry. see if you put it in there for no, me. No, I just put Joel Schumacher in there as the director. Uh, Written by uh, a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. like Lee, actually two people. Lee and Janet Scott Bachelor for the story. Uh, I got to click the more writers. And then Bob Kane for the Bob Kane's the creator of Batman. Okay. Yep. And then uh, directed by Joel Schumacher, stars Val Kilmer, Schumacher. Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey. Schumacher. Sorry. Are you sure? Yeah. Schumacher? Yeah. It looks like Shoemaker. <laughs> Tell me the grammar rules on that. <laughs> Schumacher. I'll ask him. I'll email Joel, Joel and he's, see. He's dead, though. Joel Schumacher. Oh, yeah. He died kind of recently. 2020. Oh, it's a bummer. Yeah. But go ahead and email him, Tyler. I'm going to email him. <laughs> I'll email his estate. <laughs> I don't have his email. <laughs> Yikes. I don't have his email. Oh, yeah. So it has Val Kilmer's Batman, Tommy Lee Jones as Harvey Two-Face, which we'll talk about, Jim Carrey as the Riddler, Nicole Kidman as Dr. Chase Meridian, Chris O'Donnell as Robin, mm-hmm. Michael... Michael Goh. So he Go? is Alfred, mm-hmm. and he played Alfred through all four of those 90s movies, okay. which is the weird... That's what's the weird continuity of these movies. And then Pat Hingle played Commissioner Gordon through all four of them as well. So and they're the ones that are the only ones that translate over all four because movies. Because then, as, as, the, as the person watching it, I just don't know and then i'm asking so it's like is this a continuation it's kind of or when it's like a reboot i mean it's kind of at a period where like nobody really cares about alfred or commissioner gordon whereas like nolan really like frontlines them in uh oh, yeah. the batman stories more i mean alfred is alfred's integral right commissioner in, in gordon not necessarily yeah. you know commissioner gordon is not not necessarily a necessity of a batman story it just happens to be that it's been frontlined more often now yes. so then we have Drew Barrymore as Sugar. Yep. And Debbie, Debbie Mazar as Spice. These are the two-faced henchmen. It is weird to see Drew Barrymore in such a tiny role. It's <laughs> uh, ridiculous. I even saw that John Favreau is is as a as is an like assistant. Yeah, I don't. I didn't spot him, and I saw that. I saw that credit before we watched it, and I still didn't spot him. So sorry for the listeners hoping to find some information about John John Favreau in the movie because I didn't. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. I didn't there. spot him. Um, yeah, so I wrote down what I remember, and then I also, because you were doing something, so I said, you want me to write down what you remember, and I just typed it out while you told me? Oh, that's nice of you. What did I remember? You said, Angela said, the one with Jim Carrey going crazy as the Riddler, and Tommy Lee Jones is basically basically doing the Riddler. Yeah, that's what I remember. (laughs) It's good. I pretty much fucking nailed it. So this is what I wrote. (laughs) I said, Tommy Lee Jones cannot sanction Jim Carrey's buffoonery. We'll talk about that. This is Batman at the height of a 90s kid, uh, of being a 90s kid and loving Batman. We loved the soundtrack. We collected the McDonald's glasses. And we loved all that Jim Carrey craziness. 
Also, there are bat nipples. Bat nipples here first. Forever gets lumped in with Batman and Robin as Joel Shoemaker's destruction of the bat franchise. But is that fair? Isn't Val Kilmer a good Bruce Wayne, even if it's unfair to compare him to Keaton? Is the Chris O'Donnell performance too clunky? How old is he supposed to be? Is this Nicole Kidman at her most, um, the stuff of teenage boys' dreams? Forever! Forever! <laughs> so, there's there a lot to unpack. There um, is. We'll... Let's just talk about the the summer of '95 as the because this was huge. It was a big movie. It definitely they filled the fulfilled the assignment of like we want kids to go see this one. And here's some Batman and the glasses. Oh God, they were awesome. Those McDonald's glasses. They were dollar ninety nine, and it was like they're glass, but they like a bunch of etching of like the Riddler and Batman. I had all four of them. I believe I still have two of them somewhere. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, two of them broke, but I have two two of two them. Two of them still. broke. Yeah, years ago. Um, the video games were kind of good. The soundtrack oh, was amazing. Mm -hmm. What was great about the soundtrack was like U2 had like the big end credit song. Mm -hmm. And then the second end credit song is the one that became the giant hit, which is Kiss from a Rose by Seal, right? Mm -hmm. That's the big hit. I bet U2 are just like, what the fuck? Like we, we got the prime spot of the, the soundtrack. Our song should be the number one hit, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, it's right. At, I mean, you got to think about Jim Carrey. He's third build here, but I mean, he is the front of the marketing because the year before that, you got Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, Ace Ventura. I think the oh, sequel. The Mask came out before. Ninety four. Yeah, and then I feel like Ace Ventura when Nature Calls is out either ninety four or ninety five around this. So this is just like peak of Jim Carrey being comedic, crazy star Jim Carrey, right? So all that is going on. And I remember seeing this and like seeing it multiple times and thinking like, yeah, this is how Batman should be. I love this movie. <laughs> and I loved it more because I thought that Batman Returns was too dark. And, you know, I was, you know, I was 1995. I was, uh, you know, 10, you're 10, 11 years old. Um, and I loved it. Oh, yeah. When did you all, see it? All of these came out at the same time. All of his yeah. movies. Yeah, I mean... It was like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, 94. The Mask, 94. Dumb and Dumber, 94. Mm -hmm. uh, Batman Forever, 95. When Nature Calls, 95. The Cable yeah. Guy, 96. So, like... Liar, Liar these... is, like, 95, 96. Yeah, like, all of these came out. Liar, Liar is 97. Yeah. Um, What did I think? Was that all you asked me? Well, I'm just curious when you saw this the first time. I don't remember. Do you think you saw it in a theater? I, you know, I'm, like, looking... No... I don't. Okay. I don't. Okay, because if I were to see it, it would have been with my little cousins. Yeah, But yeah. they're like four, six years younger than me, so no. But definitely it's... Definitely not. This was definitely like aimed toward the younger kids, so maybe I you did go. I don't remember. Did you go to them with them to see Batman and Robin, or was that like... I don't not, remember. Because cool? this is called movies that Angela doesn't remember. Right. Um. Yeah, so no memory of it necessarily, but you had seen it before we watched it today, obviously. Or yeah. not today, but this most recent time. Yeah. Um, okay. So, general thoughts. Because I watched you watching this movie. Uh-huh. And, look, my, my, I had a lot of questions. Because I, I feel like... I was also watching with the kids. Yeah. So that puts a different spin on it. I was thinking that the last time I saw this was just maybe a few years ago. I thought, like, well, this is corny. But, like, I get what it is. I liked it when I was young. And I have a love for it. Mm-hmm. 
So I was curious if that would change. And I was watching you watch this movie, and it seemed like you were, like, not having it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I have the nostalgia factor on this one. Mm. And I think um, I'm going to introduce just a Today segment Mm -hmm. where it's called uh, Angela Reed's Reddit comments about the movie. (laughs) Okay. Either ones I agree with or ones I just want to hear your response to. And so I'm going to sprinkle those in today. Okay. Um, But the first one I'll kick off. From a Toasty Ghost 11 years ago. <laughs> toasty Ghost 11 years ago, good. Uh-huh, is Batman Forever was trash and 90s kids have no taste. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, uh, 90s kid, like, 90s movies are overall better than 2000s movies, I'm just saying, but all right. I just thought that was funny because it's like, it, it, you can tell there's a big theme of people who, if you were 12 years old. Right. Right. Batman Forever came out, you were like in it on this movie. Because you have this memory of like, ah, oh, Jim Carrey's this great guy. Yeah. Um, there's there was another comment in here about Jim Carrey, and I would definitely agree with it. And it is uh Yes, this is from Crichton 2X4B from eleven <laughs> years ago. <clears throat> Crichton 2 Jim Carrey wasn't bad, but was all it was also the first glimmer I had that I was getting sick of this man as an actor. Mm. And I think that that's the mask was that for me. Like once I saw the previews for the mask and then saw the mask, I was like, I'm not enjoying well, what's weird about the mask is like he's that character he plays in that, like for most of the movie is very mild mannered and quiet. And he's only big and wild when he's buried under that thick makeup. It's weird that it was like too much. This is all Jim Carrey big all the time. Um, Well, I think I slightly disagree in that I think that Jim Carrey is like probably the best thing about Batman Forever. um, Because like no one does this sort of thing short of Jim Carrey and Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, no one does this sort of thing, and no one would dare try to do something like this. I agree. He just needs a director who has balls enough to say, like, okay, like, rein it in just a little bit. I think like, that... Like, focus it up just a little bit. I think that your reaction to that is more to do with his co-star doing tr- attempting to do the same thing, and then therefore making it so this movie is full of really over-the-top villainy. What is really disappointing is that the Harvey Dent character yeah. and the Riddler character would be two characters perfect to play off of each other. Because they're very different. And however you decided to take them. You could yes. make one serious and one not. You could do whatever. And I know Two-Face is Two-Face, so sometimes he's one way and sometimes he's another way. But in this one, he was 95% the Riddler. Yes. <laughs> or the Joker. So yeah, the famous story of this because Jim Carrey told this has told this in subsequent years of when they filmed this uh, is that he went to, he was at a restaurant or he was going to the same restaurant and saw Tommy Lee Jones there and somebody else. This is right before filming, and Jim Carrey goes up to greet him. And Tommy Lee Jones like stands up, whispers in his ear, like tells him that he hates him and he has, does he can't sanction his buffoonery. And that's which is an incredible intense. thing to say. Now, that's one side of the story. I haven't heard Tommy Lee Jones like ever say anything. I've read that Tommy Lee Jones did this movie because he had like younger kids at the time and thought it would be like a fun thing to do and have God, a movie. I hate that it he, when actors do movies because they have young kids. They wanted to be in a movie that their kids could see. Ugh. But like you got to think about Tommy Lee Jones has like not that long before this won an Oscar for uh, The Fugitive, an amazing performance. Which I saw and remember vividly. An amazing performance that he also brings back in a movie that's super underrated that I think we should actually do called U.S. Marshals. Whatever. (laughs) But um, uh, that's on Netflix and it really 
By the way, I, my favorite thing right now is like if you go on Netflix and it's like what's popular right now, mm-hmm. and U.S. Marshals is up there because like all these like people that are younger than us are like, man, did you ever heard of this movie called U.S. Marshals? I'm like, yeah, that movie fucks. From it's awesome because like Robert Downey Jr.'s in it and uh, Wesley Snipes. I'm just like, yeah, that movie like while not as good as The Fugitive is like not bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but like Tommy Lee Jones, he's great at doing a certain thing, right? Um. The Fugitive, his role in Men in Black, Mm -hmm. right? Like, No Country for Old Men. Like, that's what he's great at. And then, for whatever reason, (laughs) I don't know if it's because he's mad that Jim Carrey is cast. Um, You know, because Joel Schumacher has said that he had trouble on the set with Tommy Lee Jones and with Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, uh, I, I love Val Kilmer. But even in his own documentary that he was in charge of, owns up to being kind of an asshole on some sets, including Batman and Robin mm-hmm. or Batman mm-hmm. Forever. Interesting. And and so Joel Schumacher struggled with both of them, who had just kind of a different attitude about what they were doing. Um, but for whatever reason, Tommy Lee Jones in this movie is so bad. <laughs> like I have, it is it is one of the great miscalculations of a an actor choosing to play. I don't I don't know if it's because Joel Schumacher said like this is what I want or he. Somebody felt like the energy had to be up to to Jim Carrey because he gets billed second too, mm-hmm. which is, just feels like very much like an agent or a contract deal because he's so not like once Jim Carrey's character comes on the scene, he's such a second fiddle villain, even though Two-Face is in the first sequence of the movie. But he doesn't really get an origin story. He gets like brief flat, like a brief like video segment of an origin story. And then Jim Carrey's character gets the origin story. Yeah, it's. I have so many problems with Two Face. Uh, for one, yeah, it, it should have been played by uh, Lando Calrissian. Well, yeah, because he played him in Batman '89, and there was a plan when Tim Burton was doing it to do that. And then, now, great. The good thing is, is that he did go back and do that for I think the Lego Batman yes, movie. He, he did. did the voice, so yes, that's so great. that's weird. He's not in much of that, but that's um, fine. And, and I'll share some fun, some fun Reddit takes on that because mm-hmm. people are so stupid, right? It's so funny. <laughs> So, uh, uh, Fire Mogul from 11 years ago. I can't wait for the people to hunt you down, by the way, and send you death uh, threats. Says, uh, am I the only one that noticed that in the first, uh, second Batman movie, Harvey Dent was a black man, and then he got all white for this movie? And then the response (laughs) from D. Kaufman Mm -hmm. was, that's no black man, you swine. That's motherfucking Lando Calrissian, (laughs) Billy D. Williams. I thought that was funny. You went on Reddit. This is what's fun about this. This is a Reddit episode. You went on Reddit. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. There's not much to say other than like none there of is, his performance. There is, there is more to say. Okay, there is, but okay. he's, he's bad. He's bad. Uh, his costumes from the neck down, uh-huh. brilliant. <laughs> I loved them. Okay, they yeah. Like, they deserve okay. a credit. That is a good offshoot because I do want to talk about some things I like about the movie. I think that Joel Schumacher, who is very much a journeyman director, he makes all sorts what of do you movies. Mean by journeyman director? All, look at his filmography. He doesn't what make. Do you, what do you mean by that? It's a phrase they use for people that kind of who like. Who they? Film people? Film people. They call themselves this sometimes. They're just. James Mangold is a director right now who's very much this way. They don't have a necessarily a set style or a genre that they work in. Um, they can go from all types of genres, different kinds of movies, and be generally pretty effective at making them. Okay. Now, you could say that Joel Schumacher maybe has, he definitely has some duds, right? N- number one being maybe Batman and Robin, right? But mm-hmm. um, he just makes lots of different kinds of movies. And mm-hmm. so I like that he clearly had a vision for this. It was, a lot of his studio mandated about it needs to sell toys, it needs to be 
you know, fun looking for the kids, right? It's definitely cribbing off of what was done with Tim Burton's movies first. Like, it's just amplifying some of that gothic look of Gotham City, yes. right? He's definitely taking those elements. But I will say, like, all that stuff looks really good. The costumes are great. Like, this is definitely not my favorite Batmobile, but, like, I kind of appreciate just how insane it looks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's just, like, it was, like, like swirly lines on Did it. Did you like the Riddler's costume? I do. Like, I, <laughs> he's got, like, three different ones, mm -hmm. and they're, like, one is very much, like, classic Batman 66, right? And mm -hmm. and some one of them lights up with lights. I like this whole green, like, uh, milk sh uh, blender look of his box machine that he has. Like, I like the look of the movie, right? And I think that Joel Schumacher, you know, he's told, like, we want to make a lighter kit, lighter movie, and they told him that, and he said, well, I like Batman 66. I like the old mm -hmm. show. Let's do that. Let's do it with a lot of money, big stars. We'll deliver the action, but, like, let's do it in that tone. And I, and with the quips and the one-liners and, mm -hmm. like, There's listen. There's a lot of one-liners in here. They made the movie they set out to make. This was exactly what they set out to do. It is successful at what it's doing, right? Whether or not you have a tolerance for it, if you can soak, if you could actually sanction this buffoonery, I guess is a very personal, <laughs> a personal question you have to answer. But for what it is, it is doing what it's set out to do. Um, now that being said, like it's it's hard to watch in spots. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is <laughs> because I, it's I, so silly i did read some interviews with uh schumacher that like it was the movie he wanted to make. yeah yeah um and then i also read an article um on left line from 2020 said did you know that shortly after his passing in june of 2020 it was revealed that an unreleased 170 minute cut of the film exists this extended version is said to be considerably darker, including scenes that explore Bruce Wayne's psychological mm -hmm. trauma and even an appearance from the classic comic book villain, Man Bat. So now there's a, a, a slight, like, a Schumacher cut. Well, I don't know about all that, but <laughs> I know that there was more of that kind of Bruce Wayne stuff that was shot. I know that there's that. I've maybe seen some of that, some of they that deleted material. Val Kilmer was being a dick. I, okay, so Friday another thing I like is that mm -hmm. I like that there is an, uh, I don't think it's successful, but I think there is an attempt to tell a Bruce Wayne story here because he yeah. gets triggered by what happens to Dick Grayson at the circus. His fa his family dies yeah. and it creates visions of his own parents' demise. I know we get like, the, we've seen this a thousand times, but at 95, we had only seen it a couple times, right? Um, of the parents dying, but he really is getting these flashbacks of like the funeral and his father's journal. And he's exploring that. And I think that, there is a thread there that works of like, let's explore Batman and why he chooses to do this and why, and like the idea being that he's kind of even almost repressed why he became Batman. Mm -hmm. He's been Batman for so long. He's just like, well, I'm Batman is what I do. I know, I'm Batman. <laughs> and so like, there's an attempt to explore that. Right. There and it's is. through mm -hmm. Chase Meridian. Now the problem with doing it through Chase Meridian is that, you know, you've introduced this character who uh, <laughs> don't even like get me started. She is a psychologist, but like her main attribute is that she's horny for Batman. Yeah. And I listen, I appreciate like I on one hand, I appreciate that. Like it's a character. She just look, she's hot for Batman and she's into him and like she's going to just do what she wants to do to get him. I can appreciate that. I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's just weird then that like. I kind of like that she, like, Bruce Wayne, like, invites her to do stuff and kind of wants to date her. And she's, like, kind of just like, mm, you're kind of boring. I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. she's just not into him. But then she is. And that, that turn is a little, like, I don't really see that. And, like, that's and definitely not in the movie. And she him. 
Yeah. And he rejects Batman. I don't think that that's the, the reason is in the movie very much. Like, I think that's just been trimmed down and cut out. But, um, I, but yeah, it's just like you can't do... Let's explore Batman's psychology. And take this woman seriously when all she wants to do is fuck him. Well, I, I thought it was when I my memory was that like she like starts dating a client of Bruce. Bruce Wayne is a client that she starts dating, which is like a big no-no, obviously. But actually, he's just there to consult on something initially. Mm-hmm. And she's he's never like a client of hers. Yeah, he's not a patient. And she's never like a Batman is never a client. She just is brought in to be a consultant for idiot Commissioner Gordon, who has <laughs> I got to. Put a pin in that. I have, my favorite Commissioner Garden moment of all these movies happens in this movie because it's so stupid. Um, but no, like that's a I, I like that there's something there because a lot of Batman movies don't bother with Bruce Wayne stuff because it, the villains are so interesting, right? But quick question: What mm-hmm. about the scene with her being naked in the sheets and how we had to navigate that with the kids? Oh, well, we just told her she was naked. <laughs> Listen, all and this is my problem. Like as like an eleven year old in ninety five, I'm just like, this scene is amazing. <laughs> this is cool. And it like seriously, it's look, look, she's very pretty. She, it's great, right? But it's like not a character. It, it's very weird. It's just it's a weird so part of this movie. Weird. But I, I mean, I remember. God, the poster for this movie is really iconic. It's kind of a cheesy poster, but I uh-huh. loved it. It was like all five of them lined up, right? Yes. And Nicole Kidman has like wind in her hair. And I'm just like, God, Nicole Kidman is never like, like I never like ever thought about Nicole Kidman until like this, that poster. And I was like, oh, Nicole Kidman. Wow. Yeah. But like, again, the character is so weird, right? <laughs> it's like she could have been a, been a quality female character. Yeah. No, yeah. not really. Even when we showed the trailer, the, our TV spot at the beginning, they called her a woman in peril. And I was like, I for guess like five the last seconds, two minutes God, for like almost it. nothing. I know. Seriously. It's not anything. Um, okay. So those are things I liked. Those are things that you liked that we didn't talk about that you want to say because it seems like you're like not on board with this movie. I told you I liked Two Faces uh, suits. <laughs> um, right. Uh, I didn't like his face makeup. That was really bad. It's very purple. And it's like a straight line. Yeah. Like so, they show this news clip where where he gets stuff thrown at him, and even as they're showing it, he's blocking his face with like a file a, folder, a that's paper at a fucking angle. But then, like you look at his face, and it's just a line straight down the. My middle. favorite part of that flashback is like, even though Batman tried to save him, and then you see Batman in broad daylight in a courtroom leaping with over. His rubber nipple <laughs> suit. I don't know. It's like, was he? So I had questions. I'm like, well, was he sitting? Was he in attendance of the trial? Was he just sitting there, or did he like know something bad was going to happen and marched in? in the rafters? Like, like what's happening? Yeah. Like, like, is he just sit? I, I, I wanted a scene of him just, like, sitting in, like, a pew yep, at the courtroom and just waiting for... I was like, I'm just here to make sure everything goes smoothly over here. Yeah, awkward. <laughs> I gotta, yeah, expand on that scene. I want please. more of that scene, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I don't I don't understand you, that. Yeah, you're asking if there's anything else I like. Nah, no. I do, I, I do not like his makeup either, but I do like... There's a Jim Carrey line when he goes to his lair... And he gets really close. Like these two talk real close up to each other oh the my entire God, movie. So much close talking. Yeah, it's a very like like this. The homoeroticism of Batman and Robin is here in it in the presence of like these two characters. Basically, like it's coded as them being like together. Like once they They're align. They're sharing a lot of hot, breathy conversation. They are, but my favorite of that is an admittedly pretty funny scene where they he is close talking Jim Carrey and threatening him with a gun, and he's just like, "That's never gonna heal if you don't stop picking." <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. <laughs> okay. 
Oh, there was one part I liked. Uh-huh. Um, when Robin's family dies, <laughs> that whole scene is so fucking incredible. <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? So they go to the circus. Bruce Wayne is there with Chase Meridian. Robin is introduced in this scene with his family, the Flying Grace, and this is all comic stuff, right? Yeah. Two Face shows up. He's got a bomb, a big round bomb, to which they're lifting it up. Like it's on a rope and it's going up and it's going to go off in two minutes. And he's like, I want to know where who Batman is. And hilariously, Val Kilmer's like yelling, I'm Two-Face, Harvey, I'm Batman. He does, he yells it. No one hears him, including Not- Chase or Commissioner Gordon sitting right next to him. Yeah. Uh-huh. So then he goes down and fights people on the ground. But, like, why confusing? Like, if you're going to set a bomb off in yeah. a circus, would, why would you lift it up? Like, it seems like it would be better to leave it on the ground and it would blow up right there. I don't get the need to raise the bomb. And then they're keeping henchmen there to, like, make sure no one leaves. Mm-hmm. But, like, they're going to get blown up, too. And, like, how many henchmen are you willing to lose? And are your henchmen just going to be willing to get blown up by standing here while the bomb is going off? Very confusing. The Graysons decide that they can do something because they've inexplicably decided to raise the bomb up exactly where they are in the rafters. In acrobatic area. <laughs> to which they just removed the net from the bottom for a nap. And I was thinking, like, when they do fall, um, I didn't think it was that high. I feel like they would... Okay. They'd yeah. probably survive. So or, or they'd my, be, they have broken bones. In my interview with Marion, who's mm-hmm. 10, mm-hmm. who watched it, um, I said, well, oh, what'd you think about the, you know, Robin's family dying? She goes, uh... Wait, they died? <laughs> like, I thought they just fell. Like, not bad, but maybe she they broke their face? Like, maybe they were in a coma? So there he's staying with Bruce for a few days? She's like, maybe they're... And I said, yeah, that's what I said. I said, why do you, why do you need to go to Bruce's then? I don't know. Maybe they're in a coma or something? I didn't think they were dead. Because you're right. They don't fall from that far. If they, all three of them fell face first, then I could be like, yeah, they probably died. And this is the, like, it's it's meant for kids because there's no, like, blood. They don't like, show it. There's no brain They only show their, their, and then they have people circle around them in a very weird and shot. And you think, like, yeah, they're falling from the ceiling, so I guess that's probably pretty high, but they're, like, trained. Shouldn't they, like, know how to, like, drop Fall correctly, yeah. Or no, they just crush their And spots. Robin, by the way, he, he, the reason he doesn't fall is because he's on the top and he's thrown the bomb into the, 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 the Gotham Harbor, right? But how did his family all fall? Like, did I blink? Like, what happened? <laughs> They just died. They fell. All of them. <laughs> they fell and they died. Mom, dad, brother, sister, dead. Yeah. No, they're all they're all dead. Now, the other thing I had to say was like, oh, by the way, another per- actor we didn't mention is like Ed Bagley Jr. is in there. He's the Riddler's boss at, at Wayne Enterprises, right? Sure. The, oh, yeah. So okay. he gets, Riddler kills him, right? Because they reject his, uh, Bruce Wayne says no to, he idolizes Bruce Wayne and then he says no. Like, first of all, he's like, oh, well, let's set something up after he tells him about the idea. He's like, let's get some more ideas about this. He's like, no, no, I need an answer now. And he's like, well, if you're going to answer now, then no, there's too many questions. See ya. And then he that's that's apparently enough he's to like, snap him. I'm murder you. So then there's a lot of weird things in the movie where he has killed him, like thrown him off the, the building. But then he's able to manipulate the video feed so that it looks like he's just running out and committing suicide. I'm confused by that. Is it his is... is it his box machine that created that footage or or is it like early CGI? What are we doing? He's an he's an engineer. He's brilliant. He's a smart guy. I I don't know. Um anyway, I have that's just a random thought I had that I wanted to share with you. Um but then the Riddlers, the Riddle the Riddles start and um they're I appreciate how they look cuz he gets them delivered to Bruce Bruce Wayne is getting riddles from Edward Nigma. 
They're very elaborate. He's spending several hours at them at his and he house. There's a lot of arts and crafts going yeah. on with that. Yeah. But like they're not especially like clever riddles, but maybe they're not supposed to. Like tear one off and scratch my head. What once was red is black instead. The kids didn't know that because they don't know what a match is. But um, if you look at the numbers on my face, you won't find 13 any place. That one's really easy. That one's really easy. The match easy. one was kind of hard for me. Okay. Um, there's two more. And the way that they solve the third one. <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> it's kind of. Or the fourth one. Like they're trying to figure out what do all the clues mean. A clock, a match, the a chess board. What's the fourth one? I this in like five seconds where they're just like, oh, well, the num the numbers are, that's just code for the letter code. Oh, the letter code just means this letter is this and this letter is what's, oh, it's M-R-E, M-R-E, oh, mystery, Edward Nigma. And it was just like, they do it so fast. Yes, that's right. <laughs> like, holy shit. Okay. I was just like, okay. What's funny about like the new Batman movie, mm -hmm. um, the Batman is that the Riddler leaves riddles, and not really riddles. He leaves riddles, but he also leaves ciphers, right? Because he's like mm -hmm. the Zodiac killer. But I love about the world's greatest detective. I, I like that movie, right? But like, what's funny about that, like, Batman's supposed to be the world's greatest detective. It's Alfred that solves the cipher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's like, oh, hey, by the way, I solved the cipher oh, for, I solved you. It for you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so oh, the Riddler's never, like, I don't know. The Riddler's never really gotten, like, a proper... I don't. I personally don't like how the Riddler is in the new movie because it's too like serial killery. I kind of want a mix between like the Jim Carrey it's one like is too jokery, the to the opposite side. and that's too far. I need something kind of in the in the middle, but um, but that's the all right. Teeters, the teeters that that's what makes it interesting. There's less tension when it's just all one way. All right, let's talk about Robin going to to Wayne Manor. Uh, Chris O'Donnell, uh, he. <laughs> He's a minor. I mean, he has to be a minor because because they they mentioned made a comment about child protection services and they're like Commissioner Gordon's like, oh, thanks for doing this, Bruce. This is gonna save a lot of paperwork. Number one is I don't think that it would. <laughs> like I don't think it could just like give it to some rich guy, especially a reclusive rich guy at that. Maybe not great. Mm -hmm. Um, but Chris O'Donnell, God, the man looks thirty in the movie, and he's supposed to be playing. I mean. He has to be 17 or else they, he can't be brought anywhere with social services, right? So he's playing, what, 17 at best? He's got to only be 17. But, I mean, it's it's a problem. <laughs> your 10-year-old agrees with it. Uh, in my interview with the 10-year-old, mm -hmm. I asked her, what do you think you're Robin? And she goes, the same thing as dad. And I was like, what? What do you mean? She goes, <laughs> she goes I, I, I quote, I'm quoting her, is is uh he's supposed to be like a grown man who's a teenager he looks over 18 it seems like he could get a job or go to college live by himself well yeah he doesn't, he doesn't need to be living with batman in the animated series dick grayson like goes to college and so he bruce wayne's just kind of around he's not necessarily staying there which is good their familiarity with Robin is like the Lego Batman movie, which is like Michael Sarah playing a kid. Yes, and, you know, like and that's kind of what Rob. I mean, that I mean, Robin typically is you know coded a little bit younger. Usually, he is such an old, like he's so old. <laughs> but my favorite part is like he doesn't want to be there until he goes and shows him the motorcycles, and he's like, "Well, yeah, you work on a motorcycle," and so he decides to stay or whatever, right? But then, like, this is that's the only character work he gets. He wants to kill Harvey Two-Face. 
He's suspicious about a locked door in the giant manor, mm-hmm. to which he asks Alfred, this is actually one of my other favorite lines, oh where mm-hmm. he says, like, what's behind that door anyway? And Alfred's like, oh, it's just Mr. Wayne's uh, dead wives, <laughs> which is pretty good. Like, probably. Like, if you're, like, it's only locked door in a giant manor and there's only two people that live here, like, there probably are dead wives down there. Yeah, that was so funny. But then my other favorite bit of um, character work for Robin is... Uh, a random scene that is only this one scene for 30 seconds and it's in between like a fight and some other scene with other characters where Robin is doing laundry. Alfred walks in. He's like, oh, master, don't worry. I can take care of that for you. He's like, no, no, Al, I got it. And he just starts to do nunchucks with his clothing, swings it around, flings it onto the rope to just to, to make it make you have to know like. He is a serious martial artist, so much so much to the point where he's like doing his laundry via ninja moves. It was so pathetic, looking. and then like it wasn't even he didn't pull it off. He like flung his underwear over a rope. Congratulations! He's squirting water on the ground, which is just uh, like that's annoying. But and then but the whole gag of it is that he gets the mop to wipe it up at the end. Uh, uh, and he like winks at Alfred. So annoying. <laughs> Around this time, I want to talk about this, too, because um, this movie adds in what is the probably its most extensive action sequence with no explanation whatsoever. So <laughs> right in the midst of like Robin being uh, brought over to after the bomb thing, the, the Riddler and Two-Face have just met, but they haven't been doing their scheme just yet. Right. Or it's no, it's actually that's after this. We just have a random scene where it's cut to nighttime. And Batman is in the Batmobile driving, and there are, he's being chased by two cars. Criminal two-faced cars. Yeah, it just cuts to this. It's so unexplained. And then the part of this is like, so, okay, maybe you're thinking like, well, maybe he's just driving around, and he just knows, like, some henchmen decide to see him, and they're going to go after him. No, because the next thing is, there's a woman in a with a baby carriage crossing a dark alley street, and then it's revealed to be two-faced with a Tommy gun or a, a bazooka, right? So I was like, okay, so... They plan this (laughs) like they set up a situation Mm -hmm. where they're going to be in the road. Mm -hmm. But like, how did you get how did you know that was going to be the road he was going to be on? No explanation (laughs) whatsoever. And then we get this elaborate thing where this ends with the Batmobile, you know, going and driving up the side of the building, which is kind of a cool visual. Again, the car is goofy, but it's you know, it's kind of fun. But the scene itself is just like. (laughs) doesn't have any explanation to it makes no sense and that's what leads like tommy lee jones is just like i'm frustrated i can't ever stop batman it's like well i mean i don't know random plans aren't exactly the most (laughs) it's confusing and then the plot really happens it's after that that the riddler shows up at this thing and then like okay we're gonna get together and we're gonna figure out who batman is and we're gonna make a bunch of money and i'm gonna use my brain sucker machine on everybody Mm -hmm. so then the movie starts but it's already like past the halfway point so after like because part of the movie is like introducing Riddler. Okay. Yes. Part of the movie is introducing Robin. Okay. So, yeah. but like the actual like plot of the two villains going after Batman doesn't start till really far into the movie. And then it's like a quick montage of like Jim Carrey going from long hair to short orange red hair the to hair. longer hair where he's playing Edward Nygma as a businessman. <laughs> the hair. Why is there not more conversation and question about the hair? What did Reddit have to say about Jim Carrey's hair? No hair because it's like a buzz cut it's when he's the Riddler. Buzz cut, which you, you, can't, you can't just pull that off. But then the Jim Carrey of like the mask era when he's got that longer kind of like 90s yes, like mane almost. Yeah. yeah. And but so how do you get from how do you go? Is he wearing a, 
a wig or is he like unclear again a cap unclear. to put his other hair on why would you put a cap on to have a buzz cut that makes no fucking sense i i don't know i is, are you saying maybe his mane his little bowl cut thing is like that's the wig like what's going on and then when he gets okay so then at the end he's got that short hair but then he gets like his brain melded or whatever and then inexplicably after he gets like electrocuted or whatever his hair is really long so is he like slicking it back but it just looks buzzed how is it a bad feed? Because, no, I thought, well, maybe it's my DVD because I have this on DVD. But then the DVD stopped working. No, I mean, look at these pictures. That and then we had to go on HBO, which is HD. I mean, that spiked hair looks a lot more spiked than, than other scenes. I just don't know how it's, like, down. It's not. It, like, grows. How, how, did, how did No, that's, grow? I mean, that's early in the movie. You can just assume that he's had a haircut. But I'm just talking about, like, when he's at the ball or whatever. At the ball. Yeah. This one. Look how long it is here. That's really long. So when he spikes it up, almost like a also a, a pet detective style. Yeah, yeah. It's very con- it's, it's very so confusing. It's so long. It changes length. It's it does. Upsetting. <laughs> it's upsetting. It's upsetting that nobody was like calling this out. Yep. Because okay, look at look look. Here's it swooped up. It's a good four inches off his hair. Mm-hmm. Versus you know this is only two inches. Yeah, that's weird. It's definitely odd. <gasps> um. Some of the lines of this movie, oh, I wrote down, a, I mean, it, it's just, it's all quips and one-liners, right? I mean, even the beginning of this movie is like, can I, Alfred's like, can I fix you a sandwich? Sure, he's like, I'll get drive-through, which I feel like is only in the movie for like the McDonald's commercial, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's there for, for them to put in the, the McDonald's commercial, right? Um, my, <laughs> uh, the... <laughs> It's the car, right? Chicks dig the car is what he says to uh, when Chase Meridian tells him that he likes her at the at the bat signal, right? And she says, like, I think in response to that or right when she meets him is like, my life's an open book. Do you read? <laughs> what the fuck, lady? Oh. <laughs> Do you think lines. that the, the number one favorite, though, I think that I read was a holy rusted metal so that is, and that one is the most overt, just obvious reference to the the show because he's like he's talking about rusted metal on the island, mm-hmm. and he hit. That's why the joke gets explained. Mm-hmm. But he says, "Holy rusted metal, Batman!" Yeah, that one's obvious. But like the other quips, I think are spent. They're just as cheesy. My other favorite one that Two Face says is like, um, "Nothing like a bad case of gas before he like blows up a gas tank." <laughs> <laughs> like what? That's pretty good. Oh no, it's terrible. <laughs> what were some of your other ones that you like? Oh, I'm trying to see if I wrote any more on here, but those are those are the main ones. I like all of this. There's this weird thing where when they, oh my god, we have to talk about the incompetence of Alfred for a second because this is the same actor who lets Kim Basinger into the Batcave and tells you know in that first Batman movie, it's like you know you know he tells her. And now, like, they broke up, and now she's out in the world, and she knows that Bruce Wayne's Batman, right? Mm -hmm. This fucking guy. Like, number one, Uh there's the one... Your one job is to fucking close the door behind you when you go down to the Batcave. And you just, like, I know that he was way up on the top of of the house, and he had to, like, fling down to get there. But the door closes too slowly. When you go down and open that door, like, go behind you and just grab that knob and close it. Number one. That's a number one thing you have to do. But didn't he maybe want Robin to go down there? No. Are you sure? No. What's fun is that... I think it could be argued that he wanted Robin down there. When he gets down there, it has an intruder alert thing. Intruder alert. Intruder alert. Like a voice in the in Batman and Robin when, when Batgirl does the same thing. 
it's an intruder alert and it's a screen of the actor of Alfred and he's saying intruder alert. They had to change that. <laughs> that was another thing they just wanted to what? add to the fourth movie. I don't know why. So that's one thing. The other thing is it's it's Halloween night. There are two supervillains rolling around town and he's just like, it's trick-or-treating. There's kids at the door, right? And here's Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey like, trick-or-treat through the, like, a little bit more security alfred just like a little bit more practiced like just a little bit more common sense the gates wide open like leave a bull at the edge of the at the gate like i know this is pre how far are you gonna walk in there doorbell but how far do you gotta walk from the gate to the front door seems like a long way no one's going even for like a large candy bar if you're just gonna open it up for fucking anybody well it's it's halloween we're gonna let the let the trick and what trick-or-treaters are they like what other houses are they are they going to? Are they just going to Wayne Manor and they're getting like one big chocolate bar? But like, is there anywhere else to go? Do they have to drive to get there? Where are the parents that they're driving? Tell me more. So weird. <laughs> uh, but Alfred sucks, man. <laughs> He's kind of incompetent in all the movies a little bit, though, right? Somehow that's they. This is and the only reason they're there is because Jim Carrey at this ball, you know, essentially fools Bruce Wayne into using his machine that can now read minds, mm-hmm. right? And he's the Drew Barrymore is the one thing Drew Barrymore gets to do is she switches out a vial and some machine thingy. And uh, apparently if you look at the screen, like you can't do anything to stop it. Like you're done. You have to just keep looking until it's over. I mean, which seems like a powerful, he should have used that tool later in the movie when he's uh, trying yeah, to finish him off. It's basically like your, your today TikTok. Yeah, it hooks you in, gathers all your information. It is your mind, knows all everything about you now. In the, I was looking at the Roger Ebert review, which is a predictable like two and a half star review. But he is talking about he does talk about like the the Riddler's plan and being like it's funny because it's Warner Brothers who's like Warner Media at the time in '95 they were acquiring a bunch of stuff and it's just like it is a kind of interesting little premise that mm. I mean it is it is it a sharp commentary no, no. <laughs> but but you know it's something I guess. <laughs> That it's, you know, trying to do that. But, but yeah, there's more Riddler stuff where he, like, is blowing up the... I mean, they're just letting him... I, the part of that I'm confused by is, like, I want to know how much ad-libbing there is and how much is scripted. Because, like, some of his riffs, like, when he's in the Batcave, the Riddler, after he's, like, kidnapped Chase and, like, they've partially shot Bruce Wayne, he, like, does a baseball bit where he's throwing bombs... And he's got to line up, and then like he he tugs at his crotch, and he's like spitting, and there make there's sound effects going on. Like, is that in the script, or is he riffing? But then like the way that they're setting up those shots, where they're like, okay, well no, oh he's got this baseball bit we're gonna do. Okay, line the camera up. Like, is that a half a day where they're just like, well he wants to riff and do a baseball thing. We got to set this whole thing up so he can like throw it to the camera and like hit. That's the stuff that fascinates me because like. <laughs> of course you would wonder that. And then and then they're in the editing room and they're like, you know what? Like that's look, Jim. That was good work. Like you really went over the mm-hmm. top. But you know what this needs? Some spitting sound effects and like a. We just need some like zany side effects. Wow. That's where I want to know like the amount of effort that went into like just letting him riff and then like enabling it. God, Tommy Lee Jones is probably pissed off every single day of this movie. Because he's just like, what the fuck am I doing here? Probably. He's got to be in that makeup all the time. Hours of makeup. I, get, I mean, I get why he's pissed. Is it hours or is it like he just puts on a little thing? I don't know. Like, I, Here's the thing. Like, you know how there's always a lot of talk about... Because Jim Carrey famously did that with, like, the Grinch movie, right? He yeah. put on hours of makeup. I don't know. Like, I guess if you're getting paid $20 million, I guess you'll do it, right? But... I'm surprised that they like take like I would I if I was like in charge of a movie, 
I, and people had to do heavy makeup. I would concoct something that they could just leave on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know what? We'll put you in the makeup. But if you want to go to bed and sleep in it, like, it's not going to hurt your face. So if you just don't want to come in here for four hours tomorrow, why don't you just, like, try not to lay on your face? I'd be like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it. Like, I'm reading about his face. Anyway. Um, you know, the climax of this movie is very big product. I mean, I like the set. It's like the island thing. You get a bat, like... They're, this movie is trying to be big, right? So it gives you like, well, we're gonna the Batmobile blew up, so we're gonna give you the Batplane, and we're gonna give you the Batboat because they're in previous movies. There's a Bat. Pl- oh yeah, the Batplane. They yeah. get blown out. They, they get destroyed so, so fast. So anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of realistic though. I kind of gotta kind of appreciate that. Like, oh, we got the new toys. <laughs> Boom! Oh, we got hit. Now we're going to. I water. think it kind of works because both of those are previously in pre- like the Bat plane is in the first movie a lot and the bat boats in the second movie a lot so it's kind of funny is it the bat boat or the bat sub or the bat boat turns into the bat sub so that's a new thing no he ejects himself out that was so weird i like that there are henchmen who are in the water with scuba deer with like uh, harpoon guns because i was like that seems like a lot of effort (laughs) like whereas you could just guard the shoreline maybe Rather than like, hey, suit up, guys. They might be coming in a sub. Yeah. And then when they do, it's going out where there's like mines and bombs all over. Oh yeah. Oh well. yeah. It's there's there's bomb there's mines. There's water mines out there or whatever uh, uh, charges, I guess. Sure. Uh, yeah. So that, yeah, definitely go out there and yeah, swim around all that. Shoot some harpoon gun. guns out there too. Why not? And then they're dispatched. <laughs> like Robin can't handle it. He he is woefully inept. He gets kid like taken immediately but then batman just shoots a net at all of them and they're all like wrapped up in a net and like yeah. well all right done half yeah. our henchmen have now been ra- wrangled up because of uh we, our scuba plan mm-hmm. we get the holy ruddle thing robin this whole time wants to kill two-face fights him on the rocks decides then that he wants to take him to jail but then like just stupidly like lets him pull a gun on him like it's just so, so annoying dumb. and like you know what these are the kind of things it's just like I don't know. Like, he's on the edge of the cliff. Like, is it that bad if he just, like, fell? I don't know. I kind of like the Batman attitude. Like, I don't have to save you. Yeah, I don't have to <laughs> kill you, but I don't have to save you. It's like, I don't know. This seems like trouble. I got to bring you into the freaking place. Okay, that was the thing that triggered what I wanted to the talk about Commissioner Gordon, Gordon thing. Mm-hmm. My favorite moment, Commissioner Gordon across these four movies is in this movie. We, he, I, as far as we know, we don't know... <laughs> If anybody knows that Chase Meridian has been taken, like there's no information about anything. We're not we're not even sure that anybody besides Bruce Wayne knows. No, because he's the one who figures out that Edward Nigma is the Riddler, right? Correct. No one knows anything except for Batman and Robin. So then the bat signal is up in the air. Like this is when Robin gets his costume and they decide for whatever reason that we're okay with him being Robin now. There's yep. not really much story there. It just happens. It's a change, right? Oh, we could <laughs> triggers another thing, but so Batman's in the bat plane. Mm-hmm. He's flying over the the bat signal has been taken over by a riddle signal, mm-hmm. right? So at that point, if I'm Commissioner Gordon, like you could just like number one, you could just clown on the Riddler by turning off your bat signal because then you wouldn't have the the, the dot. On the, the dot, <laughs> no more dot. So well, maybe because it's green, maybe there would be a dot. Maybe I don't know. So then Batman flies through his bat signal and Commissioner Gordon is like, yeah, yeah, go, go, go. And that's it. It's like, go where? (laughs) 
what are you like you have the bat signal on so as to trigger batman because you need something but like you're just like go He's like, great, Batman's fucking figuring it out. And then he, this is my favorite part. Once he says go, he turns around to another cop and he, with a fucking smug ass smile on his face, he shakes her hand like, oh, good job, everybody. There's a lot of handshaking in this movie. He's like, nice work. Some great police work we've done here. We've called Batman to do something. We're not even sure what he's going to do, but we did it, guys. Lots of handshaking. Even Roger Ebert (laughs) talks about all the handshaking. There's a handshake, there's the... Oh, yeah, because Robin's family, like, there's a big image of him, like, being gripped and, t- you know, holding him. And then when he rescues him at the end, there's the grab. Yeah, it's, them- like, it's a thematic, uh, the bond, and the bond the of Batman and Robin and father-son. and Robin shaking hands. A lot of fucking handshaking. A lot of handshaking, yeah. But that handshake with uh, Commissioner that's Gordon, that's favorite. the best one. Oh, my other favorite part of the movie is uh, before that, Robin decides to, once he finds the Batcave, decides to take the car. Alfred calls Bruce Wayne, knowing that, you know, Bruce Wayne is maybe with other people. He's like, oh, Master Ra- or Master Grayson took the car. He's like, oh, that car? He's like, no, the other car. No, no, that one. Oh, no, 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 no. The other car. I like that line. I like the soundtrack cue after that. And then you have Robin with the open, the top open, like hopping around going, woohoo! And he's driving through uh, the underworld of Gotham City. Mm-hmm. And he sees <laughs> some ladies on the side of the road. And he, what? I think I wrote it down. Oh boy. <laughs> the the voice that he does is so great because he's trying to be cool. This is the only part where I thought he was believably like a a seventeen year old. Uh, when he's like, "Why?" Don't you, I'm gonna try to do the voice a little okay. bit. Okay, why don't you come take a ride, my love machine, baby? Yeah, you you got that pretty good there. So like, even if he's sixteen. 17, 18, <laughs> 19. There's no character that says that. Why don't you come take a ride my number shit, baby? And then he's like, I am Batman. <laughs> yeah, he's going no no costume. No one believes him. He's like, I'm Batman. <laughs> to which case, why is he driving the car around, I guess? But he's like, that's Batboy, which I thought was not bad. He fights these blacklight uh, villains, which I, I think the people that love Funko Pops these days would love that because Funko oh, blacklight so much, Funko yeah. Pops are huge, mm-hmm. right? I'm surprised there's not like a whole run of like henchmen from Batman Forever Funko Blacklight Pops yet. I would expect that. Um, but yeah, Robin. <laughs> Batman saves him at that point. But yeah, no, it's the. That was the only part where I thought Robin was. Uh, Could have been 17. But even then, like, that's a tough thing. Can you. No. I Now, I had a couple of friends who, if we were in a car, and our thing would be like, we would go ow to but not to like young yeah, women you would, you would harass people but like oh it would be like old men or old like that but never like I, it would take a lot of nerve and gumption to be like would you come take a ride my number machine baby yeah like that fucking confidence <laughs> that's a it's lot like you're driving the batmobile but it's that batmobile which is very silly looking <laughs> it's got swirls on it it almost looks like if you saw it you'd be like i don't think batman does batman drive around in this one I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the big climactic thing is like he, Chase and Robin are in tubes, and Rob, uh, uh, Batman is set up as, or excuse me, Riddler is set up a thing to like, you can only save one of them. Are you gonna be Batman or uh, Robin? 
he puts on some sonar thing, which I don't think does anything, but it's just like a thing to add to the new suit. Oh, he has to choose if he's going to be Batman and save Robin yeah. or be Bruce Wayne and save Chase Meridian. Well, he saves both of them and he even tells them later. He's like, I choose to be both. And there's a big dive and it's fine. That's where you get the big thematic hand grab of Robin. Uh, coins getting thrown at Two-Face. Well, uh, Two-Face shows up at the bottom of the pit, but not far enough to, at the bottom of the pit where the pit is like about four miles long, it seems like. It's a long pit. Because they fall for a while, but then there's still plenty of space enough for Two-Face to then fall from where they are to fall to his death. I mean, there's spiky things down there, but still, like, it's a really far thing. And then it's like this thing where the whole movie, like, we're saying, like, don't, you can't, don't kill Two-Face. And then, like, the whole thing here is, like, Hey, hold on. Before you shoot us, Two-Face, will you please flip your coin to make sure? And then he, Batman throws up a bunch of extra coins, which he keeps in his bat belt, of course. I mean, I get that. You want to have that plan when you're going out to meet Two-Face. It's a good bit. But, but yeah, he falls. Uh, no attempt to save him. It's just he falls, and Robin's just, like, watches him. I was like, I guess I guess if, you're, I guess if you have seniority, you can allow the villains to die, but not me. Yeah. I could see there'd be a lot of resentment there. Yeah. You're already off on the wrong foot in this uh, partnership, I feel like. Yeah, totally. Anyway, that's Batman Forever. It's a huge hit to the point where the studio's like, wow, Joel, Joel, thank you so much for this hit. You want to do the next one? We'll let you do whatever you want, man. What do you want to do? Whew. And they're just like, oh, I've got some ideas. <laughs> because Batman and Robin is like... This movie times a thousand and it comes to camp and like garish production and the Batmobile is even crazier. Uh, it's wild. It might be something that we eventually watch, but I don't know if we'll be able to convince our kids to watch. it. So, yeah. What was the overall impression that Marion gave you? Because I got the sense that all the kids found this movie to be deeply odd. Yeah, that was her, her impression. I said, uh, what'd you think of the movie? And she answered, uh, it was a crazy movie with too many explosions. <laughs> Anything that collided into each other exploded yeah. immediately. Yeah. And then she said, it was super funny, but then not funny, like not funny at all. It was crazy <laughs> in a not good way. It was super funny and then not funny. Like, not funny at all. It was crazy in a not good way. Oddly enough, our um, seven-year-old daughter, who was the one who has been pushing to watch this one because I've been giving them options of these superhero movies to watch, and she's like, I want to watch that one. I don't she know why. She wants to pick the one that nobody, yeah. nobody fucking else wants so to watch. She, as if she sensed the other people in the room like not loving this one, she's like, I liked it. <laughs> this is fucking great, guys. <laughs> it's like, I don't think you believe that, but all right. So what, it, I mean... This is weird because I have a love for the movie, but like at, at least this time, like, and and part of this is this reassessment of like me like really liking Batman Returns probably more than any of these now, um, where this one just doesn't feel special anymore to me in terms of the nostalgic things. So then like, like I don't like I just watch it, but like this movie's pretty cheesy, <laughs> like it's pretty over the top. Yeah. So I don't love it. Like it's not it doesn't hold a special place in my heart anymore. Other than that soundtrack, which is fucking bumping, but the Batman and Robin soundtrack is good too. People love the soundtrack. I know the Kiss from the Rose lyrics a lot. I sang those to the kids afterwards. It's only in the the credits are fast, um, and the, both songs don't really play for very long, including Kiss from a Rose. It's just uh, it's like I don't know, like a minute of it. But it was a big video, mm-hmm. lots of candles or something, right? Sure. Big seal. I mean, he's still making money off that, off that, uh, off that song, right? I mean, it, he really didn't have anything other than. Other, I mean, it was, it was big. It was so big that he made, it made him like, what's another seal song? I don't know. Do you know another don't seal ask, song? I don't know anybody's songs. That's that's not. A that dude made a lot of money, and then I think he might have got some money when he divorced uh, 
Heidi Klum, but <laughs> you probably got some of her money. She's pretty rich, right? I don't know. Batman forever. forever. That's what I got. I, I kind of want to watch Batman and Robin because yeah, I mean, it's really out there. I remember going to see. So that's what's weird about being a kid watching these, right? Like I see Batman returns in the theater and I think, oh, it's too dark. I didn't like that movie. But I'm like in 92. I'm like, what, seven. Mm -hmm. I go to Batman Forever. This is amazing. So two, like what? Two years later, 1997, I'm like 13 and I go and see Batman and Robin. And I'm just like, this is the fucking worst movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> And then, like, later in life, I'm just like, well, this movie, like, I kind of appreciate Joel Schumacher just being like, well, I don't know. You guys wanted to have, you wanted me to sell more toys and you wanted to make it campy. So here you go. Here you go. I kind of respect it. I got, I got some respect for someone who's just like, I'll do what I want and it's going to be crazy and no one's going to like it, but who cares? Yeah. I respect, I, I, I respect Joel Schumacher for Batman Forever. I think that he had a vision and he did it. And they deliver, he delivered a hit for him, and then he made the crazy Batman and Robin. I think the world he created and the characters he was aiming for were fine. I just don't think it, it, didn't, it wasn't pulled off in the way that it could have been. Tommy Lee Jones fucked it up. He's bad. Jim Carrey was too much at certain times. I think he gives the best performance of the movie, but I mean, it's not, it's uneven. He just needs to be tightened, just yeah. like... Up. Val Kilmer, without those like, apparent scenes, is a little. I think is a little sleepy in the role. Yeah, I don't think he really needs to do much. Boring. He definitely feels constrained. It is a movie where he's in the suit a lot, versus being Bruce Wayne. I think, which is like, a, well, not but like the new like one, his, but his scenes with Nicole Kidman, like where you should feel some sort of spark. They don't. Just, it's all her. She's exuding a lot of sexuality, and he's just like, I'm Batman. Yeah, I'm Batman. <laughs> He does a goofy smile when he like rejects Bat when she rejects Batman. That is a weird. And then Drew Barrymore's in this, like. What? Well, that's this is before like so it's in that period where Drew Barrymore's still on her rise back up from being like a kid actor, going through some troubles. Scream is not either out that year or that same, because that was like, she they marketed her in Scream. But, okay, but does like Two Face in the comic book have like female lackeys like that? That are like sexy. I'm sure they he does in some I don't versions. Know, like it didn't it didn't land. It wasn't anything. It was just well, they don't have anything to do. Like yeah, it's that was weird. once this movie decides that it's not a two uh, a two face movie. It's weird that Two Face, which is a kind of a good character, has only been like always like a secondary villain in these movies. Like he got to be only a secondary villain in The Dark Knight and didn't get to come back for like the third one. Right? It's it's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Old Millennials Remember Movies. Definitely uh, check out Batman Forever. <laughs> not, not according to you. Yeah, no. <laughs> but if you haven't watched it in a while, you got a bit. You're probably curious now. <laughs> There's a good shot of his butt in the rubber, which you, I mean, you get fair. You get a lot more of that in the Batman and Robin. You get a lot of like pectoral close-ups and butt shots in rubber. A lot of rubber love. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. Uh, oh boy. You can watch a lot of that on Pornhub, probably, though, instead. Yikes. Okay, <laughs> all right, thanks for listening. We will talk at you another movie. You can't, you're going to pick it. It'll never heal. You can't stop picking that.